Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. <laughs> it woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. This show is being recorded for June 23rd, 2023. Oh, life. Oh, summertime. Yeah, here we go. But first, the business. This show is not kid safe, not work safe, not safe. Run. (laughs) Do not take your belongings. Just head to the nearest emergency exit. Creative Commons license, non-commercial attribution, 4.0 unported. Theme music is by the late, great band, The Gentle Readers. They're a wonderful band. Check them out, gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind umbrella. I'm saying umbrella instead of auspice because I know what an umbrella is. Oh, the kind umbrella of Backbeat Media. Thank you, Backbeat Media. I do not speak for my day job. If you Google half-ass. You will find out who I currently work for. I am not on brand for that uh, fine organization. I'm on my own thing. So whatever uh, thoughtful or horrific uh, thing I say in the next 45 to 50 minutes, um, it's not their fault. So don't (laughs) hold it against them. Here's what you can't hold it against uh, me is the fact that I'm going to play a song. That's the worst segue in the history of podcasts. I was looking for a song, and um, just uh, like I think yesterday, I was kind of flailing around, and I was thinking about 11th Dream Day, and I don't know why. I just, something put me in mind of 11th Dream Day. I would tell you I'm an 11th Dream Day fan, but when I go and I look at Amazon Music, well, I would say I'm a like circa 1989 era 11th Dream Day fan because I was really into them then. Uh, when I go and look at them in Amazon Music, they have been putting out albums for the last 30 years years you know more than 30 years and with some regularity there's i don't know five albums in the 2000s or six albums in the 2000s there's an album in 2021 i'd never heard of so i can't uh uh really claim to be that much of a fan it's triggering somebody's well actually response well actually once you tell me your top three favorite songs oh my god jesus so you could easily gatekeep me out of 11th Dream Day. So they have an album in 2021 called Since Grazed. And I started listening to it. There's 12 tracks on there. Nine of them were more mellow than I'm in the mood for right now. Sometimes I'm really in the mood for a mellow contemplative track. I'm not today. So um, what I decided is that I wanted to play something off this newest album. And yet I didn't want to play um, like a slow acoustic contemplative song. So that didn't uh, leave me a lot of options. So here's the one I chose. A case to carry on. A 
That was 11th Dream Day from the album Since Grazed with A Case to Carry On. Now, I'm going to admit something to you, dear listeners, as we as we uh, enter this show. Is that I was listening to that song, but I'm also like getting ready for the show and doing stuff. I was not listening to the lyrics really close. I don't know if that is a, a track about presenting to a person a reason why they should carry on in life like stick with it hang in there baby i don't know if that's what the song's about i don't know if it's about getting on an airplane with a guitar and i didn't check my guitar so i've got a case to carry on i don't know <laughs> either one of those is plausible i don't really know which one it is um <laughs> through the magic of podcasting you will hear this show whenever you hear it but it's being recorded about 24 hours after the previous show. And in fact, my original plan was to sit down and edit that show and get it ready to roll today. Um, and then I thought, you know, it's 
not that hard for me to edit a show during the work week, you know, just in bits and bobs here and there. But it's really hard to find an hour to sit down and turn the mic on. And I said, you know what? Screw it. I will record the show over the weekend and then I'll edit both of them whenever I can. And uh, life will just go on because also we're already set up Pipewire, my nemesis on this fucking Linux laptop. Uh, it's already set up. I've got the things ready to go. I don't have to fight that again. Um, so maybe this is, maybe this is the new normal. <laughs> I'll just record during the weekend and then edit when I can. <sighs> um, I don't, my self image of myself as like a person in general, but like as a podcaster, I don't feel that I'm like a negative guy, but honestly, if I sat down and like catalog the topics, it feels like the topics I talk about on here are like 85% negative. I spent the first half of the previous show telling stories about my father-in-law driving me absolute <laughs> crazy by being sort of uh, uh, a semi-approaching uh, senility or possibly, uh, you know, well into senility and uh, being an asshole. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to talk about some shows I'm unsubscribing from. Let me first sweeten that. The show that I'm actually really enjoying. I just listened to a backlog episode of this thing, like minutes before I came up here. Uh, musician Lou Barlow, who, uh, guitarist, uh, for, or bassist, I don't even, I guess he's the bassist for Dinosaur Jr., but, you know, he, he's a musician. He was, uh, Sebado, uh, Folk Implosion, you know, does the solo stuff. I mean, Lou Barlow, man. He does a, a podcast with his wife, reasonably new, but they do it twice a week. So even though they've been doing it for like six months, there's, you know, 50 episodes. So <laughs> sort of kind of the opposite of this show. And, uh, I enjoy it. It's just, it's like him and his wife shooting the shit. They're relatively short. And um, on this backlog episode that I listened to, he didn't do this technique. It seems to be somewhere in the middle of the, the run that seems to start. What he does actually is quite interesting. Is He starts a backing track. He creates a backing track for the podcast, which has transitions, has like the theme and the transitions and stuff. Um, and then... As they're recording it, they start that backing track. So they're like basically playing that as, as an external source uh, so they can hear that. And then they're talking, talking. And then the backing track says, I'm gives a transition. And it's like, oh, I guess it's time to transition. It's kind of like a timer. It's like an external timer. <laughs> it's like running the headspace meditation. With, uh, and now it's time to bring come back to your buddy. You know, and uh, I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone do that. Malou may have just... Um, created this technique himself but anyway i just it's one of these ones i'm just kind of enjoying it a dude and his wife just shooting the shit out in massachusetts the dude happens to be an indie rocker uh but it's just interesting and so i enjoyed that the show notes as always will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org if that sounds at all appealing to you uh or you're interested in lou barlow in general uh the link will be in there unless i really drop the ball now on to the negative <laughs> As will happen with me, because apparently that's who I am. I, it's not how how I view myself, but apparently it's how I actually am. I have been listening to Penn Gillette podcasts. I listened to his, you know, like Libertarian Network uh, free FM show when that was on. Since uh, it went live, approximately when it went live in 2013 or so, uh, I listened to Penn Sunday School. And I have been listening to it continuously. I unsubscribed from that thing <laughs> recently, uh, and it was mainly, it was around the time, it would have been in mid-March or late March, 
Uh, it was right before uh, Donald Trump was indicted on his uh, hush money, the Stormy Daniels um, case. So he's now like, you have to be specific because there's two indictments right now. And uh, probably by the time this thing posts, there might be three for all I know. Um, but uh, Penn was on uh, the show saying how uh, he said, I don't like Donald, Donald Trump. I know him personally. I think he's an asshole, but I don't think this is uh, worth indicting him over. I don't understand why he's being indicted. Now, bear in mind, the time that I was listening to this, which means it was recorded before that, the indictment either had happened, but it was still under seal, or else it w- had not quite happened. But regardless, um, Penn did not know what th- the indictment was contained. And Penn is, as uh, he goes on the record frequently, kind of a dumbass about specifics of you know life. And he did not know what was in there, and he did not know the legal ramifications. And as I understand it, um, the whole thing, you know, Penn is like this weird free speech absolutist. And he just always thinks, so to him, this was a free speech case, which is um, if the guy wants to pay hush money to somebody, he should be able to. Well, that's not, uh, as I understand it, the indictment. The indictment is like falsifying campaign records because the campaign paid the hush money and then they falsified the stuff. So it's not about uh, speech. It's about, you know, fraud. But, you know, Penn, and I get so, I got so tired. Penn said, probably said this once a show, which is, uh, you know, the, I think um, every problem with free speech should be solved with more speech. And, you know, after a while, it's like a gratingly, uh, you know, he's a cat with privilege. As he says, he's, he doesn't know how to buy a car because he tells his assistant to buy a car and then the car shows up, right? This is a guy whose life has not been normal for about 40 years. And he, uh, you know, talks about things like this, uh, you know, in context of, you know, of rights, you know, of things that are happening in Florida and Texas with like trans rights and, and reproductive rights. And, and, and that's his mantra is, uh, any problem with speech should be solved with more speech. Well, when the speech is, I want you to die. I don't think there's more speech that like solves that problem. I mean, (laughs) I guess you can try to dilute it. But, uh, you know, it's that stance kind of uh, is sort of a utopic stance that um, only makes sense. Uh, it, like, you know, Penn is no longer a, like a capital L libertarian, partly because the Libertarian Party uh, as such took a really uh, like anti-mask, anti-vax stance. And he's like, this is I don't I can't this is not <laughs> For years, he said, uh, you know, he was with libertarianism and he says, we're, we're going to do the right thing, just not because you tell us to. And then he said, when it came down to it, they didn't do the right thing. So, I, but, you know, his, his he, libertarianism in general only works if you have money and are white, <laughs> because all these things you say where you don't need anyone, uh, you don't need government intervention because the free market will decide. Well, if the free market decides that it doesn't want to sell houses to black people. Uh, like how does the free market fix that? <laughs> like, how do you fix that without some kind of, uh, outside the market intervention, right? That's, it's, it's, it's naively privileged. Uh, it's the kind of thing you can only believe, um, when, you know, you don't have, uh, uh, cops pulling you over and shooting you in the head, uh, you know, at traffic stops, you know, that's, that's uh, anyway. So I just, I just decided, 
um, it's mainly the way the the if I unsubscribe from any podcast, it typically is is just on one day where one thing rubs me. It's not the first thing. Like the first thing that rubs me wrong does not result in an unsubscribe. But at some point, there's like an underlying pebble in the shoe, and then at some point, I'm like, oh, just fuck this. And by the, it's not the only one. Not that long ago, like much more recently, I've been listening to everything everywhere from Gary Arndt for a year and a half. I mean, I guess he's been doing the show maybe two years, something like that. I don't know. But I listened to it fairly early on, and I found it from uh, Scott Kurtz of uh, the webcomics artist, um, had done this intermittent show uh, on Patreon. And uh, Gary Arndt was on fairly early, and they were talking about it. I guess they're friends, and they were talking about the show. You know, maybe in the like the first, I don't know, couple months of its existence. So I subscribed to listen. It it's interesting enough. You know, a ten to fifteen minute show about a topic, and he picks it. And I have mentioned before how um, I listen to him, and I think, boy, that Gary really knows this topic. And then you listen to one that you know really well, and it's like. 80, 85, 90% right, but it's not a hundred, it's never a hundred percent right. But the ones you don't know about, you think, oh, look at, listen to this. <laughs> and then, uh, but after a while, I was like, you know, um, the topics, you know, some of them interest me, some of them don't. And, you know, part of the whole um, spiel of the show is just listen and you, it, you think you won't be interested, but you will by the end. Well, I'm not always interested. Even even with that, I'm not always interested in the topic. But also, uh, it, it's a weird thing, and this is probably me being a dickish contrarian. I don't like this. Is my 15 year old uh, hipster <laughs> does this, and it's probably not sensible, but it is a thing that happens to me. Is um, you know he has these things at the end where um, if you he'll read reviews and. Uh, you know, he reads these glowing reviews from like, you know, wherever the podcast addict or iTunes or wherever. And so he'll read them and, and like, this is the greatest podcast. And I listen to him and I think, I don't actually agree with that. I mean, it's an okay podcast that's pleasant enough, but I don't love it. I don't think it's the best podcast. And I don't like, I don't think it's life changing. It does. And so I listen to these like glowing reviews talking about how it's the best podcast that's ever existed. And it's the most informative thing that's ever existed. I'm like, I don't, I don't actually agree with that. And at some point I thought this, these positive reviews he's reading uh, are making me not want to listen to the show anymore. So I unsubscribed. <laughs> and this is not the first long time ago. I was listening, you know, I would watch the channel Frederator. I don't even know if it exists. I don't, if it, it doesn't exist. I don't know when it stopped, but it was like a cartoon compilation thing, somehow vaguely re- related to Adult Swim. I think maybe Frederator did some stuff that was on Adult Swim. I never quite understood it, but it was, it would be cartoons. And it was like a, I don't know, 15 minute, you know, weekly video thing. But they would have this interstitials with uh, voicemail messages of people talking how it was the best thing ever. And at some point, it's <laughs> a similar thing. I was like, I don't agree with this. I also never knew if those voicemails were uh, fake, like done by Frederator employees or actual uh, viewers and listeners. But at some point I thought, this is grading me because I don't actually agree with this. So in a weird way, I know there's all this social proof stuff. In a weird way, if there's too much social proof or if the purported social proof mismatches how I feel, it's like worse than nothing. Like you'd do better to read no reviews than to read all these glowing reviews for something I'm okay with but don't love. And uh, I don't know. I don't know also if I'm 
I mean, clearly social proof stuff works because, you know, it's like the basis of so much um, marketing and advertising. And if you judge by emails, like every day, um, unless <laughs> I've been unsubscribing from more and more and more emails, but I get these things like, here's what other people, you know, like the uh, streaming services, here's what other people are watching. It's like, uh, I don't give two fucks what anyone else is watching people watched tiger king and i don't give a fuck about that you know people watch uh uh bridgerton and it's unwatchable you know it's <laughs> so at least to me my tastes are such that things that can be wildly popular i cannot stand my wife is watching this horrible thing called the circle which is i don't know kind of like it's a combination of Big Brother, but people are like in their isolated apartments and they're all, they have this weird social network that they interact with each other. And some people are like real and some people are fake. And it's like all it's like a chat room. It is the most horrible fucking thing I've ever seen. It's take take everything that's bad about social media and gather it into a game show with like a survivor, Big Brother, real world like road rules like. uh premise yeah I'm, I'm aging myself if that's what I, what I think reality shows are but i hate shows of attrition i hate shows where people get voted off and it's like got all of that stuff and plus people like reading these text messages to the circle and they say send a message to whatever hashtag whatever and then so they're saying this stuff out loud and, and then they're reading each other's messages and that's like what the show is it's like listening to people read each other's uh chat messages is the most awful thing i can imagine <laughs> so and people watch this so it does not matter to me if that was the most viewed thing on netflix i don't give a shit it doesn't matter to me i don't care what the i don't care about the bestseller uh uh da vinci code was an enormous bestseller that sold whatever 40 million copies and i picked it up in a bookstore one day and i read the first page of it and i thought Oh my fucking god! I can't read this thing. This is this reads like uh, this reads like you know the junior high novel that gets thrown in the trash. I mean, this is awful. I don't understand why people like this so much, and so it, it just doesn't matter to me. But it, clearly, it does matter to some people because that shit works, and there's like an effort to it. But I don't know. I don't know why, and I don't know if I'm uniquely resistant to it. I don't know if I'm contrarian if this is my whole you know oh i liked them before you did you were they were cool i don't know if this is you know a gatekeeping 13 year old punk rocker <laughs> you know science fiction fan i also hate the gatekeepers who say you don't know enough i was you know referencing that earlier about 11th dream day i hate the people who who want to um gauge your validity to have an opinion i was like screw you i don't, I don't care what you think i i guess what I'm saying is that maybe this is my sociopath coming out, that I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, you can be, focus it in that I don't care what other people do or that, you know, that I don't care what other people think or what they think about me. But you can probably genericize that and broaden it out and just say, I don't care. <laughs> this is, I guess, and it, it's funny as I get older, there's just more and more things. Like my waffle talk about some, you know, like a local outrage. Like somebody has done something or somebody has said something to somebody. And I was like, wow, I don't care about this. I don't care that people are up in arms about a thing that doesn't affect me. <laughs> you know, I just, 
I, I've sort of uh, just for self-protection, I've just kind of pulled in the circle. Like if it doesn't affect me in a, a, some kind of reasonably uh, direct way, I suppose making a stock that I'm heavily um, invested in go down, you could say if it that would affect me. But, you know, just these third, my mom, uh, my late mother, for the last 10 or 15 years of her life, she volunteered to this like Catholic social services thing in Augusta, Georgia. And she loved to tell me stories about somebody who was trying to get away with something. You know, somebody would come in and they'd have a bullshit story about something. And I was like, mom, it's like, you're telling me this story about someone I've never met trying to pull a scam on a charity I don't care about. Like, I have no concern about any aspect of this, you know, other than the fact that you were saying it to me and I wish you would stop. You know, I was like, why, why should I care that some asshole uh, said something to another asshole? Like, I don't care. It it doesn't affect me and I don't care. And so, you know, I've just tried to like make my concern, trying to make my care be a relatively scarce resource as opposed to everyone else I see <laughs> practically on social media, you know, particularly lefties who just cannot wait to find an outrage to uh, uh, immolate themselves on. You know, they go on social media with a match in one hand and a can of gasoline in the other. <laughs> they go, what can I do? <laughs> Give me a reason to light this fucking match. <laughs> Give me a reason to douse myself with this gasoline. <gasps> What did they say? What did this person say? Ah! <laughs> it's like, I'm not lighting myself on fire for this. I don't care. An asshole said an asshole thing. True statement. I'm not involved. It's, it's not my thing. I got problems, but this ain't my problem. And speaking of things that, I don't know, abort segue, I'm drinking coffee. Mm. Mm. Ion mug. It's 100 and 35 degrees. I can tell because would these LEDs light up in that pattern if it wasn't? Mm. Mm. That is so atypically drinkable for the past, oh, I don't know, 10 years of this podcast. <laughs> Got a drinkable coffee. How can this be? <sighs> so, like, semi related to all of that stuff, um, you know, um, probably. Um, before the recent interruption, you know, the, the most recent podcast, uh, before that was like late March and I was still kind of high on Mastodon. Well, in the time between, you know, March and June, I don't like, I was sort of a wake and baker with Mastodon the way I was with, you know, it's not the social media's fault, right? It's my lizard monkey brain that just needs, um, constant, uh, dopamine hits. Right. And, and this is. You know, most of like Twitter is built on uh, how how can we put you in the Skinner box and get you pellets at a regular enough <laughs> regular enough interval that you keep hitting that lever because that lever is uh, money for us. But so even with that, you know, uh, without that market force uh, trying to m- drive interaction, you know, like with Mastodon, I, when I first got started, it's like I would wake up in the morning and I look and see what's going on. There are now, oh, I've probably gone three days without looking at it at this point. And it is partly because of 
It's a level of discourse. This is somewhat my fault. As I've said many times, uh, on platform, off platform, people go in and they, you know, join up and they say, oh, nobody's saying anything or nobody's talking about whatever. It's like, some of that is your, this is who you're following. I guess part of it is I just sort of, whoever I chose to follow, I chose a bunch of scolds who are, love to tell people, how they're doing things wrong, how you're doing Mastodon wrong, how you're doing life wrong, how you're doing activism wrong, how you don't support trans people enough, or how you don't support gay rights enough, or you don't support uh, net neutrality enough. You don't doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And I was like, or why do you think this? You're thinking the wrong thing, or you're doing the wrong thing, or you're posting the wrong thing, or you're not using alt text. And I'm don't want to, you know, you're, not um, sensitive enough to uh, people using screen readers or people with whatever, or the colorblind, or you're not sensitive enough to deaf readers, or you're not sensitive enough. At some point, it's like, Jesus Christ, it's an onslaught of shit I'm doing wrong. And uh, as I mentioned in this show many times, uh, if you tell me I'm doing something wrong, or you tell me I'm a bad person, or you tell me I'm a fuck up, Oh, I'm going to agree with you. That's not, the problem is not going to be me fighting back. That's not my problem. My problem is, oh, you're right. Maybe I'll just curl up in the fetal position over here and feel really, really bad and get really depressed. And uh, so, you know, probably it's uh, best, you know, similarly to what I was just saying is for mental health reasons, not caring. That's, you know, this is one of those things. Maybe I should just not care. So the people who are scoldy, maybe I should just unfollow those people, you know, because there are positive interactions and there are information, positive or at least useful information. And then there's a bunch of people who are fucking drags. <laughs> and the worst part is people who either like, you know, you like or you find useful and they're worth following, but they boost a bunch of drags. One of the good things about Mastodon is that you can actually, on a user-by-user basis, is say, this user, don't show me their boosts. So if you find somebody boosts things too much, or they boost a bunch of bullshit that you don't like, or even, in some cases, it could be they boost a bunch of memes or silly things that you don't care. It doesn't matter why you don't care. Um, either it brings you down or you don't like it, or you just don't plain don't want to see it. You can turn off boosts for a user. Say, I don't want to show me their boosts anymore. And I might have to start doing that. I think when I, I just have to um, go into a mode where I say, if I see people who bring me down, I just, I'm not here to be brought down. I mean, true, um, there's stuff of life that brings you down. But I'm also not here to be told how um, I personally am part of uh, the fall of civilization. I'm not recycling enough. I'm not... I'm I'm going too green or not green enough or too green or I'm too woke or I'm not woke enough. You know, whatever. I don't I don't I get enough from inside my skull. There's enough people telling me how wrong I am and how bad I'm doing it. I don't need the this the skull doesn't need help. <laughs> the skull the skull's got that under control, telling me what a piece of shit I am. All right. So that's what I'm saying. It's surplus to requirement. You telling me that I'm a piece of shit. I've already got that covered. <laughs> we're, we're okay there. All right. Here's something I have been thinking about. And I'm going to go back to, as a kid, I read Nancy Drew books, you know, regardless, uh, you know, 
in whatever, 1977, you could be called a faggot for reading Nancy Drew books. But I read them anyway, because I read, you know, as many Hardy Boys as I could get my hands on. And then I'm out of Hardy Boys. And I read the three investigators and I'm out of three investigators. Like, well, Nancy Drew, here we go. And the thing that always uh, I loved most about Nancy Drew books, and by the way, all those books, they're just formula. <laughs> also, Doc Savage books and, uh, you know, The Shadow and all those. They're basically like four stories in rotation, and they just tell them over and over, and they just change a few, like a few things, right? All those things are just pure formula. But one of the things I loved about Nancy Drew, she had her little car, and in her car, she had an overnight bag that she kept that had a change of clothes and toiletries so that whatever, wherever her adventures took her, she was ready to spend the night anywhere. And, you know, I'm a eight-year-old or nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 14-year-old, 12-year-old, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, that's the most amazing thing <laughs> that you would live your life such that in your trunk, you've got a bag ready. You can just, Hey, I'm going to spend the night. And, uh, boy, I sort of, once we started, uh, you know, partying out in cornfields and, uh, at lakes, it actually got a little bit to that minus the preparation. You may spend the night some crazy ass place, but you're going to you know sleep in your car and wake up scungy <laughs> wearing yesterday's clothes. Uh, and unbrushed teeth. But uh, so the the preparation was like the, the, the neat thing. And I thought at some point that occurred to me recently is, you know, after working for service now and going to knowledge many times, I have a shitload of backpacks. <laughs> I have so many backpacks. Most of I have a, a sterilite tub in my garage full of backpacks that, uh, you know, I can only use one at a time. Some I have gotten to where I have a like my backpack, my my thing that I would take. Um, if I'm going on a work trip or, you know, that I would put my work laptop in if I'm going somewhere. And then I, for a while there, I had a second backpack, which would be for like a personal um, trip. Like if we go somewhere and I need, you know, a sunscreen and my tablet and a few things, that would be that one. I think I'm going to take a backpack. I've sort of have asked done very small aspects of this in the fact that occasionally I'd be out when I was at grand, before grandpa moved down here, when I was doing his yard sale, I got some to carry out Thai food um, from a place. And then I took it back to the hotel and I got to the hotel and I had no utensils in the bag whatsoever. I had no utensils. And I went down and <laughs> tried to see if there were utensils I could steal from the breakfast room and it was locked. And I ended up getting like the stirrers, those coffee stirrers at this Hampton Inn and uh, making chopsticks out of them <laughs> and eating my Thai food with that. Now, bear in mind, in our house, because, you know, we get carryout orders here from Applebee's or wherever, and they always have, we say no to utensils, and they always throw utensils. So we've got those, like, prepackaged things that you get that I expected in my Thai food. We must have a hundred of those. And they're this thing that they seem too valuable to throw away, but also they're of almost no value. And they build up, and uh, so I've got, like, a two-gallon Ziploc bag in the pantry that's just full of these things. And occasionally, like, for school lunch, or there's there's uses for them. And then after this Thai food thing, I said, why don't I have uh, – so I put a Ziploc baggie in my car that had, you know, a couple packs of those things, had some ketchup packs, some salt and pepper, you know, some just, like, uh, some wet wipes, you know, so that if I'm out and about and I get in that situation – I, I'm not hosed. You know, it's just like when you're traveling and you're in the hotel and you get a bad headache and you realize, oh, I don't have any aspirin with me. And aspirin is the easiest thing in the world to come by when I'm at home. And it's really hard to come by in a hotel. So if you think ahead, you may have a few aspirins, you know, a few of those packs, or you end up going down to the, 
you know, the, the hotel convenience store and paying $5 for two aspirin, you know, which you can do. And we'll, you know, we'll solve the problem at hand, but, uh, it's not as good as, you know, just throwing a few in your backpack. And I try to, you know, uh, I have that sort of stuff. Like it was particularly when I was a road warrior, which I have not been for, you know, even pre pandemic, I was no longer a road warrior. But when I was doing that, I tried to have, you know, basic, uh, you know, um, cold medicines and pain relievers and whatever. I had a, 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 like a little pocket on my backpack that had all that stuff in it. So the trying to think ahead to your needs. And so I thought, why don't I have what take one of these many surplus backpacks and make a life go bag for myself, you know, for the circumstance I'm in, which has those sorts of things. Um, you know, it has um, extra USB cables in case I need to do a charger. Uh, you know, I'm in a situation where I need to, you know, I have, uh, they have one of those USB ports, you know, like now they even have them, you know, in a lot of uh, you know, like airport type places or coffee shop places. There's just a little charger in the table. It's like maybe I need a USB cable, uh, you know, for various things. I should just have one of those. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. And a beach towel, because I live in a, sometimes I will find myself at the beach when I wasn't planning on being at the beach. So, oh, I got an extra hour and I'm right here by the beach. Why don't I just go walk on the sand and sit there for, for, you know, a little while. Um, So, you know, there was a time where I always kept a beach towel, particularly when I worked kind of close to the beach. I always keep a beach towel in my trunk. Well, what if I had all that shit in my go bag and then just kept it in my trunk for whenever I need it? I think I should do that. So that's one of my summer projects is just assembling the go back. Maybe just, you know, like a old paperback book of which I have many in this house. I'm discard one that I would get rid of. Um, if I wasn't, you know, if I, one I don't care about too much, like effectively a disposable paperback book and just throw it that I'd be willing to read. It's not a high priority to read. And I might even get rid of the copy that I have. But uh, if I found myself just bored shitless uh, in a situation, I would just grab that book and read it. Why not throw one of those in the bottom of that bag? So a towel and maybe, you know, uh, some basics, a change of like an extra pair of underwear in case I shit my pants when I'm out, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, You know, just then you start thinking like what could be like in life and it doesn't even have to, you don't even have to think ahead on this next necessarily. Just the first time you find a thing that you needed, it's like, oh shit, I wish I had that. Throw it in the go bag. Be ready next time. I mean, it's nice if you're ready ahead of time, you know. The underwear, I could predict. <laughs> there will come a time when I need a second pair of underwear. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to throw in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. But, you know, I wouldn't, like a low priority, like a disposable t-shirt. Like one that... If I was going to throw, give something to Goodwill or throw a t-shirt away, it would be this shirt. But it's also wearable so that uh, if we're in a circumstance, so I don't care if it rides in my trunk for three years. It's not in heavy rotation. But also if I need an extra shirt, my, you know, uh, a baby, I'm holding a baby and it pukes on me. You know, that's that could happen. Um, I have an extra shirt. Why not? That would actually be helpful in life. Just go to my trunk and get an extra shirt. You know, there used to be a time where I, uh, in, I uh, in my backpack, I kept a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> it just, it was kind of like, um, harken back to Maverick. I'm watching a bunch of old TV, um, and Maverick, my dad loved Maverick. And what he loved about Maverick is, you know, he had his vest and pinned inside his vest. He had a thousand dollar bill. 
so that if he got into some sort of um, circumstance where he, uh, you know, some sort of gambling emergency, he had that thousand dollars ready to go. Thousand dollars in whatever this was, eighteen seventy. That's got to be like a hundred thousand dollars now, right? And that's a huge amount of money. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I would just have like in a this semi hidden pocket, I just have a hundred dollar bill, and occasionally there were times when I needed that. And uh, went and got my hundred dollars, and uh, you know, I had no money on me, and I needed money. Um, so this is part of a, a, a so just part of generally getting my shit together. Um, I've been trying, you know, I, it, it became such a cliche in this show that I stopped talking about it, but like trying to organize. I'm now actually doing um, eleven o'clock uh, Eastern time. I don't have any work meetings, any standing meetings at 11 o'clock any day. Um, partly because I have, uh, you know, not all, but uh, a heavy concentration of West Coast coworkers. So my mornings tend to be under scheduled because, you know, most of my coworkers are not awake yet. So 11 a.m., uh, I just do a 10 minute, every work day, I do a 10 minute cleaning sprint where it doesn't, there's no, it's not even prescriptive, just for 10 minutes. Find anything in this office and organize it. Uh, ideally, making boxes go away if there's loose papers. Even just gathering up the loose papers into one orderly, uh, organized stack is better than having shit everywhere, right? <laughs> having uh, Taking three half-filled boxes and making one full box and taking the other two boxes away helps. Like anything like that. And uh, I've been doing that, you know, not long, but uh, it's just... Uh, a way to feel like I'm moving the needle as opposed to just in a disorganized filth pile. Uh, we had a, 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 a school friend come over and the act of like getting the house to where we, we were not embarrassed to have another child in this house, like fucking backbreaking. I was like, why don't we just do, if we did 10 minutes a day in the house, this wouldn't have been backbreaking. 10 minutes a day in your room, pick up, the garments that are on the floor. And we can never tell if they're clean because this child has this awful tendency. If you put a clothes basket in there, the kid will dig through the clothes basket, throwing whatever uh, is not chosen or not needed at the moment onto the floor. But then also the dirty clothes go onto the floor. So any given garment, is this clean or did it come straight out of a basket? So we don't even, can't even set baskets in the room. And it's like, so you yell at the child and fight, you know, fight with the child. And then, you know, and I think finally, the kid is finally coming around. So we, I was talking about my 10-minute cleaning sprint, and the kid said, maybe I could do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe you could. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you could. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. One, last, uh, one last thing before we go here. I've seen a couple Marvel movies recently. I saw the Gardens of the Galaxy movie, which, you know, was good. Good enough. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't great. I don't. It was probably the weakest of the three, but it was still you know pleasant enough way to spend a couple hours. Uh, and I saw the Spider Verse movie, and we have reached this era um, of Marvel movies where I truly um, don't want to see. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't want to see a trailer. Um, if I accidentally see a trailer for a future movie while I'm in the theater, I used to love to see the trailers. Now I don't even want to see any trailer. The the trailer the best use of trailers used to be when it made you uh, excited about a movie you wouldn't otherwise have been excited about. I, was like, I didn't even know this thing existed, but now I want to see it. Mostly though, these fucking trailers they they give you more information than you want to know. Uh, case in point, Thor Ragnarok screwed the pooch 
in the trailer so badly because they revealed that the big um, adversary he was going to face in that arena was the Hulk, which was supposed to be like in the movie. It's structured as a big reveal. Well, you knew that was going to happen from the trailer. Like that moment was in the trailer. I was like, shit, we already know. Everyone already knows this. So now I don't even want to see trailers. So I knew nothing about Spider-Verse. I knew nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like when I watched that Doctor Strange um, Multiverse of Madness, I didn't even know who the bad guy was. I'm glad I didn't watch a trailer because it would have revealed something. There's no way to have done a trailer without revealing who the bad the adversary was, which is like a act, you know, act one, you don't know that. And it's not until like act two, it gets revealed. I was like, how do you even <sighs> so anyway i've gone from wanting to know things uh to to wanting to know nothing about anything like yes i'll go see the marvel movie don't tell me anything about it i just want to go see it and have it unfold <sighs> i've had something i'm trying to think what it was there was something i had a pretty big fact about so oh i got the ending of barry spoiled to me well, I'm, we watched four episodes of season one of Barry, and it was one of these shows where we like well enough, we just never uh, kept going, but we always sort of vaguely planned to. And then I was listening to Poker in the Ears, and Joe Stapleton was talking, and they were talking about the end of Barry. He's like, uh, spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear the end of Barry. And I'm scrambling, reaching to shut off my thing, because I don't want to hear the end of Barry. And before I can get my finger on the button, and I have a Zigbee button on my desk that will stop it, and I'm reaching for the button. And because he said spoiler, and then one second later, spoils it, I didn't make it. I was like, shit, I didn't want to know this fact. <laughs> I can't, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, if it's, you know, a relatively arcane detail, I can use my horrible memory to just forget that I know this spoiler. Um, <laughs> the classic one was, you know, I had seen Platoon more than once and a friend of mine, we we're with a, a friend of mine and he's like, uh, I need to pee. Should I go now? I was like, fine. And the point where I told him to go uh, pee was the point where Sergeant Elias with a Willem Dafoe character gets uh, assassinated by his own troops. I was like, oh my God. It was like the hugest part of the entire, like that whole scene with like the guy on his knees raising his arms up from the movie poster. It's that scene. And I told the guy to go pee during it. And he said, when he came back, he said, what did I miss? I said, nothing much. Because <laughs> I didn't want to tell him. The, the Oh, I forgot that we were 90 seconds from the key, the absolute linchpin key moment of this entire film. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember so anyway that's me usually my i try to make my uh uh goldfish like memory work for me uh, in this case uh i think it's going to be pretty much impossible to forget that i know how the uh series uh, finale of barry goes but i'll do my best to uh i also have known uh who the rosebud in citizen kane was and i've never even seen the movie um <laughs> Also, and I know what uh, Soylent Green is, and I've never seen that movie. So sometimes you just sort of have to uh, roll. You have to roll with just the cultural waves. You, you can't avoid it. And now it is time for something that we call the reading. You have the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon, and pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, R. Hooley, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, 
Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Kevin Freedy, Brian Springer, Tim Shaw, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, and last but not least, patrons in exile, Nutty Nukchas and Eric Peterson. Thank you, one and all, for your support. Again, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon. And with that, let us kill the music. Thank you for listening to this miasma. Is that a word? <laughs> I think it's a word. To this sprawling uh, mess. To this, let's call it, let's not be negative. Let's be positive. This buffet, <laughs> this intellectual buffet of disparate... <laughs> Uh, this tapas plate, this mental tapas plate of subject, I'm digging a hole I can't get out of. Thank you for listening. Show notes, as always, will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Reach out. Um, patrons, uh, if you want to be a patron, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-D-C. Um, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm seven years behind on the shirts. I'm going to try to make sure it's happen this summer. Still screening them myself. We're going to try to do this. So if you're a patron, uh, watch the skies. I need to pull people to, I have to work out a whole scheme <laughs> with these shirts because obviously a lot of people may not want seven shirts. I may uh, be able to figure out a way that you can roll up uh, a few shirts into a hoodie. Say, instead of getting seven shirts, get a hoodie. You know, two two hoodies and a shirt, or I don't know what. We'll figure this out. Thank you for listening. I will catch you again next time. And do not forget, as you go out into the world, that I love you. Goodbye. <coughs> Through the magic of Bosco. Uh Show notes, as always, evilgeniuschronicles.org. One of the good things about Master... Master Tend to not. I mean, Tony, uh, when sun, sun's pen days, <laughs> when <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's the dumbest spoonerism I've ever made. <laughs> sun's pen days cool. <sighs> now I can't get it together. I can't bring, <sighs> I can't pull it together. Every step of fucking adventure. adventure.